Hello, and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish on the good ship, lollipop steel. And I'm Jade. I don't care, I ship it. <laughs> I don't care, I ship it, I ship it. Rose. How musical. Thank you. I wasn't going to sing it, I was just going to say it, but then you sang, and I was like, well, if this is the mood we're going for. Um, but uh, today, um, as you may have guessed, may not, maybe not, uh, it's sort of a part two to our Valentine's Day episode, where we talked about sort of canon love stories. Mm-hmm. In this episode, canon, not so important. Canon schmanon. Yeah, uh, we're going to sort of take our first sort of proper dive into the phenomenon of shipping. Yeah, um, but before we do that, let's have, as always, now... A, um, <laughs> as always, now. We're still experimenting with the format, we'll discuss how we feel. Uh, um, but Catch up, geek out. Catch up, geek out, catch up, geek out, geek out, catch up, catch up, geek out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was good, I was feeling it. I was so what have, you, what have you caught up with and geeked out of? Um... <laughs> Given uh, the nature of what this episode is going to be about, um, I actually kind of thought I'd fill you guys in a bit about what's happened in one of my D&D games. Um, you've heard me mention this game. It's, uh, for, the se- for the sake of ease, this is the hashtag I use when I talk about it on Twitter, uh, my Seasons of Aramantia mm-hmm. game. Aramantia is the world I play in Eladrin, who are very dominated. A lot of their mechanics is seasonally related. So not that long ago, uh, this was literally like... like Oh, se- the session before our last one. Um, we were fighting some bandits and uh, my character's brother was killed. Mm. <laughs> like, died, died. Not went down, died. Um, so uh, the episode, uh, we uh, got through to the Feywild, which is where mine and my brother's, my brother are from. And we did the ritual. We were able to bring him back. For him, he was gone 30 seconds, doesn't remember anything. So he doesn't understand why I'm deeply upset that he's fine and acting like nothing happened. Uh, So in the episode that followed, a small detail, uh, it turns out my brother and our barbarian have the potential to ascend to basically godhood. It's kind of complicated and Mm -hmm. really interesting. We kind of tripped into a, by accident, uh, we've escalated our DM's plans somewhat. But uh, in the following session... Um, me as an Erin, who is uh, my autistic druid, <laughs> um, when asked if I was okay, I beast shaped into a fox, and so I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. Which I'm just like, man, I wish I had that option. Mm. Um, and was basically sort of like keeping myself away. Our sorcerer, who's an Asimar, um, came over to me and like. The, the conversation is, I will pick you up if you let me. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I let it happen. And he picked me up and took me over to one side and he was like, literally put me on, because I was a tiny little fox. And he was basically sort of petting me and talking about, I'm really glad your brother's back too. And I'm sorry that... And basically he's like neither happy nor sad, but like he reached out to me knowing mm-hmm. that I was upset. And my brain was going, I thought he didn't even like me. So Jada's player and Anarin are both kind of like, say what now? And in the combat encounter that happened into that session, I 
because uh, we went through to this and I, I was still in fox form at the time because I was basically sulking and then we had to do combat so I dropped out of fox form so I could like do spells and stuff and the sorcerer turns to me and says apropos of nothing I hope you like belly rubs in this form as well. And I'm there just like, what the fuck is happening with my relationship with this character? Like, I have no idea what's going on. Have not been able to address it yet. But after that combat, I shifted back into a fox so I didn't have to talk to my brother again and then spent the night like in the same room as the sorcerer. So I'm like, I have no fucking clue where this is going. Mm. but it's a really delightful and I like to think that if this was a TV show that we were watching people would be like holy fucking shit I didn't see this shit coming do you ship it now <laughs> I ship it now I kind of ship it now so yeah that was a <laughs> an unexpected relationship development that happened there so. in the space of about two sessions our Monster Heart group went from I can't see any of us being in any pairing to any of us could be with anyone now. Oh, like, that's amazing. There's enough content for any of them to be satisfying. Amazing. And that's really fun. Um, uh, what about you? What, uh, what you got to catch me up on or geek out over? Well, it's very unusual. So my brother works for a uh, foundation that um, helps Japanese projects happen in the UK. All right. Um, among many things, helps with Japanese film festivals or conventions and events and cultural exchanges and all that stuff. Stuff. Um, and so he said, I have tickets for something called Pluto. Would you like to come and see? And mm-hmm. I said, yes. And it's a stage play mm-hmm. um, with lots of dance and puppetry and Ooh. projections and special effects and things. I'm already amazed. Um, based on a manga called Pluto, which is a loose adaptation of Astro Boy. Oh, right. Um, I'm vaguely familiar. Done in a kind... which An Astro Boy is a kind of loose adaptation of Pinocchio. Okay. Um, so it's a yeah, bit yeah. of a whatever, but um, it was very unusual and I'd never seen anything quite like it. So yeah. it was all in Japanese. Subtitles were projected in, oh. like, arty places as they were talking. Oh, that's brilliant. Which was both great and also... Hard to follow. Slightly hard to follow. Sometimes they came up way too early, so they kind of ruined a dramatic yeah. moment. Sometimes they had to cycle through them really quickly. Um, yeah. So, not perfect, but I was never lost. Yeah. Um, the acting was interesting. Okay. It was very live-action anime. Okay. Which is... Well, also, like, Japanese theatre's got some very different styles. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot of screaming because you're mad. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Fair. Fair. But it was so odd and mm. and very wordy. I definitely needed an edit because I think it's a very faithful adaptation to the manga. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think they cut a scene and I've not read it. Yeah. But I could just tell. Yeah. Um, and the manga's from early 2000. Yeah. And is very much about Bush. All right. Um, so that's interesting because obviously you can sort of apply things to now, but yeah. slightly, like, a lot of the concept of it is uh, the president of the United States of Thurikara uh, invades the Empire of Persia because he thinks there's weapons of mass destruction there but there aren't oh right settle them on top of astro boy and about a boy robot um but 
Yeah, like the 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 most engaging scenes I found were a detective kept going to see this robot who's chained up in a prison and was the first ever robot to kill a human. All right. And it was this really sad kind of half broken thing of a light and someone puppeteering an arm. Yeah. Um, and he had sort of conversations and like he was very, of all the characters who were acting quite serious, he was the most um, just sort of normal. Like yeah. it, he reminded me a little bit of Ultron or whatever, but that kind of like, yeah, it's sinister when a robot speaks so normally oh, yeah. and just like kind of makes little jokes yeah. and things like that. Um, Sounds amazing. That was really cool. And uh, all kinds of, weird stuff but yeah I don't think I'll ever see anything quite like it again nice but I'd be now that I've seen that I'd be more keen to check out theatre that's like yeah bit more out there bit more out there nice um so I I chose to also talk about this briefly because it kind of starts our conversation okay um I know you haven't seen The Last Jedi no I have not um I'm sorry no I don't I, I feel I'm like I'm apologising to the world at large <laughs> everything that has been said has been said mm-hmm um, but a little tidbit was revealed recently. Okay. And it's a th- something I speculated having seen the... F- my reaction from seeing the film was like, I can tell something went down. Yeah. And uh, it has been basically confirmed. Okay. So in the film, um, a Finn and a new character called Rose, mm-hmm. called, played by Kelly Marie Tran. Who, who we love. Who we love. And I love Rose. I would die for her. I think she's a great character. Yeah. Go on a little mission, kind of as a B-plot. Yeah. It um, And Poe goes on his own little plot. Yeah. And both are fine. Um, but I remember watching the film and thinking, I bet in the first draft, Finn and Poe both went on that little mission together. Yeah. Because it kind of makes sense that they would yeah in the story sure and very recently the director said that was the case but we changed it because they got on too well wow and it wasn't interesting to watch two men like each other and and this new character fuck you Ryan Jones has a bit of a lovefishy story with Finn right um, I want to say it. I want to I, I very much focus on the ish of that. Yes, but content is in that to make it very clear. This is something you can ship. Hence today's topic. Yes, um, and I just feel like who? So, the Force Awakens comes out. Mm. The massive reading that isn't even like a fandom thing. It's like articles published on regular websites yeah. are talking about are Finn and Poe like into each other mm-hmm. to come from that and when you come to write the second one the first thing you do is they should be as far away from as part as possible mm. they share very few scenes together and we're going to give Finn a new female sidekick who they have a lot of chemistry with and mm. like this is why I feel bad because I don't want to like say bad things about Rose yeah. the character but it's just so typical. Mm. And part of me wonders, I think I mentioned it on a previous episode, if the backlash from the whole Beauty and the Beast thing. Yeah. And how not only were 
liberal people angry, but cinemas weren't showing it. Yeah. Even though that made stinking loads of money, if Disney, the same company making this film, read that draft and were like, nah, get them separate. Um, it kind of bothers me. And I wanted to mention this in this episode where we talk about shipping. Yeah. Um, I have worries about what shipping does mm-hmm. and how how studios and big companies making things respond to ships. Sure. So, before we get into that... Yes, as the relative fandom elder of the two of us. <laughs> well, I, I... Shipping is something that for many people in fandom can just say and understand. But yeah. it's one of those words that you can say to a lot of people, the vast majority of people in quote-unquote the real world. Yeah. They have no idea what you're talking about. True. And even I don't know if I completely understand exactly what it means. Okay. I don't know if you do. Mm-hmm. Don't know if anyone can. But mm-hmm. what is shipping? What it? Uh, what is shipping? Uh, shipping. Uh, the term uh, "that's my ship" is short for a relationship. Mm-hmm. Shipping is the act. And this is my understanding of it. I'm sure I'm possibly getting it wrong myself. But the way I I've always understood shipping to be is the act of wanting two characters to be together, being invested in their relationship with each other. Most of the time it is romantic and sexual relationships that are shipped. That That's that's the focus. Um, usually, it I'd say um, it can be like wanting characters to get together and just like being invested in perhaps a, a pair of characters singing, Oh, but I don't ship so-and-so with their canon love interest because there's no chemistry there or that's boring. I ship them or I want them to be in a relationship with uh, character C Mm -hmm. because I believe that more. That's basically what shipping is. It's being invested in a... Usually a theoretical relationship. Sometimes it's a canonical relationship, but being invested in the relationship between two characters... And, like, being a fan of it and, like, <laughs> protalizing it to others. <laughs> I think that partly might be why some are confused, because I don't think that's something everyone does. No, it certainly um, isn't. I think some, a lot of people watch films and it never crosses their mind no. to speculate on relationships they could have with other characters. Uh-huh. A lot of people ship canon ships as yes. well. Um and I guess I was for a while c- confused because I have the same slight confusion with OCs. And again, it's hard to imagine, it's hard to say this without sounding like there's judgment. Yeah. But from my point of view, as someone who does original it, work, I guess I, I sort of forget that the characters in my comics count as OCs because to me, an OC is something different. It's something that. Yeah, no, I still talk about OCs, even when stuff that's completely original work that isn't fandom-based, I think it's just the way a vernacular becomes popular. Yeah. And OC is like a fanfic term for characters that aren't canon, and they're a character that you have introduced. Maybe we'll do an episode about them. That'll be fun. But with shipping, I think it's just, if there's no artwork or fanfic to go along with it, shipping can is a verb. Yeah. You can just ship it, and that can just be how you think yes most definitely okay i mean there are ships i have where it's maybe me and two other people mm. like we joke about like there are aircraft car- there are fuck there are helicarrier ships 
like where there are millions of people, what's it, thousands of people writing fic and producing art, and it's a juggernaut. Then you got fucking two people in a leaky canoe, <laughs> just like I'm keeping this motherfucker afloat, yo. Well, that's what I see. Some people judge the popularity on uh, ships based on how many fics there have been on mm-hmm. Ao3. When you type in a pairing, yeah. Um, and that can lead to drama, which we'll yeah. talk about in the second oh, yeah. half, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I, uh, I put this question in because it was asked on Twitter as a general question, but mm. it's related exactly to what I was talking about. Yeah. Um, which is sort of what sparks a ship. And uh, on Twitter, Dashiell Silver said, where does a line need to be drawn between fan theory, wishing and hoping... And desperate straw clutching. My biggest personal example of a gripe is the slow-mo Poe Dameron lip bite gift set I saw dozens of times before actually I saw The Force Awakens. Okay, well, I think a ship can be sparked by a lot of things. It can be a moment. Uh, It can be an exchange of words. It can be the way characters are framed. Uh, And then you start entering interesting things about what the filmmakers are trying to maybe do. Um, but it can be lots of different things, depending on the person. Just like, oh, I started shipping X and Y when this happened. Really, it can be anything. And like, as somebody that's had pretty, maybe, ships that people don't get, just like, why? It's just like, mm. it was this tiny little moment in one episode that nobody probably was even paying attention to, but I saw it and it meant something to me. Ships can be between characters who literally have never interacted, but yep. were they to? Yep it would make sense to something like Sherlock where there's four seasons worth of content of them seemingly being in love but for whatever reason the show doesn't or canon stuff where you I just enjoy the relationship Mm. that's been portrayed and then that's not even getting into the realm realm of like crack shipping it's just like Mm. there is no canon basis there is no way these two characters would meet but I really like the thought of them hanging out or more frequently I like the thought of these two characters fucking um, yeah, so, I want to put some of the stranger ships I've seen in the second half as we go sure. deeper. But, but I think, like, anything can spark. Yes, literally anything can spark a ship. Um, I guess the difference is, I keep shoving things to the second half, but maybe I'll talk about it now, is that I do think there's a line, a difference between shipping something you're fine with never being canon and assuming it never will be, yep. and... Based on the way stories are told in media, you have you have done the work to set something up, it's, which is now not being shown. It's like when when a film or a book, when a piece of media provides the cues that we normally associate with a rom- like with romance. Mm. If all of those sorts of cues or behaviours are seen between two characters, then it's just like you are being set up with a certain set of expectations. Yeah, and then, I mean, I I think. Quite often people are so quick to denounce queer ships, Mm. whereas if the character, if in The Force Awakens, Poe had been a woman and... I would like that fanfic, please. (laughs) um, Or Finn had been a woman... And what we see of them them do and how they react to each other, I believe... More, the, the vast majority of the audience would assume that they will get together in yes. the next one. Yes. However, when it's between two men or two women or yep. whatever, people really want to not see it as much yes. as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've talked about this later on 
in our plan of the episode, yeah. but the whole Dumbledore thing, and yeah. I don't actually know if anyone, I mean, everyone ships something. Yes. Something is always someone ships, but yeah. something like Dumbledore and Grindelwald being a relationship, yeah. if, 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 if Grindelwald was a woman mm. and they had this intense friendship that led to them breaking apart, I mean, let's say, take a different example. Let's say Obi-Wan Kenobi in the mm. prequels is a woman. Yeah. And the relationship, one of them standing on a hill and saying, I loved you. And yeah. all of that, like... Yes. I think we we as queer people know the cues of relationships, but we are looking for it in different characters. Yeah. And the people writing films are putting in all of these... Mm things without necessarily realizing the impact's going to have on yeah. people. I mean, or they're realizing they're using tropes associated with romance, but because they don't see that framing when it's between people of the same gender or similar genders, it doesn't occur to them that it will still be read in a romantic light. Mm. So, but to, to address um, the question, where does a line need to be drawn? That's, that's difficult. The fact that Mary is like, I, I get why, where this gripe with that countless gift sets of that slow lip, slowed down lip bite. That kind of excessive, yes. But you looked good in my, you look good in my jacket. That happens. The sweeping pan around Finn and Poe as they're reunited. That is a move from a Regency era slow dance, a couple meeting on the dance floor. And it sounds like we might be reading a lot into it, but this is film language. Yes, this is language we have been, it's been drilled into us as, as consumers things. of media, as savvy consumers of media. We know these tropes. We know these tricks. And do you think it's that because it's always assumed a man and a woman will end up together and it's always assumed women and women will hate each other and men and men will love each other, will like each other as friends or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But the way you... Maybe the same film language is shown yeah. to show people liking each other, whether it's romantic or not. Yeah. And the problem nowadays mm. is more queer people are being vocal about things. Yeah. So you can't represent people becoming friends in the same way that Sure. Even, even if they're the same gender. It's, yeah. It's tricky. I don't know if... We're going to talk about some lines yeah. that, that get drawn, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I think to the to the point of uh, where the fan theory wishing and hoping is like... I don't think there's anything wrong with the hoping, and I get that, you know, if you see the same thing over and over again, you're maybe going to think, oh, that's got more, that's more of a thing than it is. And unfortunately, that is the way, like, things get blown out of proportion... I know a fair few people who uh, were disappointed when they finally got to see Pacific Rim because certain characters that the fandom have exploded, so yeah. like the Russians. Yeah, I, I I remember Mel saying like, based on Tumblr, I thought they were main characters. Yeah, and like nope, they nope. don't even have like more than a couple a line. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I can imagine. You seeing all of these gifts of this moment. Yeah, and thinking, thinking it was a big thing. Like, ooh, I'm going to watch this. It has queer characters. And then you yeah. realise, oh, no. Yeah, this is the problem. With stuff getting held up is look at this amazing thing that happens. Look at this amazing mm. thing. That is then... Unfortunately, we get well, people get emotionally invested in things. And I think it's really hard to objectively state where does the line need to be drawn. I think it's... You can want and you can hope and you can wish. 
but at the end of the day you can't force your perception of something on other people but yeah no you aren't going to stop people (laughs) gifting the exact same moment over and over again there's why people people gif the same instances and it's just it is and i and it's frustrating i've run afoul of this like oh check out this amazing moment i'm just like that was like 30 seconds if that (laughs) And then sometimes the reverse happens. Sometimes you think, oh, that doesn't look that big a deal. And then you watch the things like, this is so much better than I was expecting. Mm. Yeah, but, I can think of examples of that. Um, I think people were probably shipping characters since the dawn of media, but yes. in a modern sense, yeah. Um, from what I gather, it it sort of gained traction through Star Trek fanzines. Yeah, that's that's a lot of my understanding. Like, I think it does go further back. Like I believe the Sherlock Holmes fandom has been mm. pretty active since mm. the books uh, were first published. But yeah, I feel like I believe the term slash also sort of has its origins around this sort of time with the, with the star, star Trek fandom. We owe a lot to because mm. they were there doing it first, but I think the beginning of fan communication and things like that. But yeah, Kirk Spock is one of the, Classic. Yeah, the Omega ships. It's like, I shouldn't use the term Omega when talking about shipping. (laughs) ABO fic is a different category we're not addressing today. But again, that relationship Mm. in media, had Spock been cast as a woman, would have developed into a love story. Mm -hmm. Um, But the fact that they are both men means it didn't. So all of the setup is there without the payoff. Mm -hmm. And I think fandom fill up fill in the payoff sure sure um i watched the original series recently and was screen capping it constantly for content that i wasn't even looking for yeah i don't watch star trek as a massive kirk's box shipper but, but like jesus of nazareth yeah there is like so much and we're bringing the cat in again yeah which is a uh, i imagine that image of um spock with the dog have you seen that picture? <laughs> yeah. That's basically what I'm looking at now. Um, and he shuts up as soon as he's inside. He's very well behaved. Except for all the yakking outside. Um, Spock. There's a, there's a quite infamous moment when Kirk is in his chair. Yeah. And um, Spock is stood behind him. Yeah. And he's talking to Spock. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a... Um, female crew member starts like massaging Kirk and he's like oh thank you thank you very much and blah 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 and then as soon as Spock walks forward and Kirk realises Spock's not the one massaging him he says oh that's enough like he (laughs) was enjoying it because he thought Spock was doing it sure um and like I can imagine how people were reading that and like what's interesting and I guess this is something to discuss. Yes. Is it wasn't necessarily exclusively, like, gay men seeing themselves. No, a lot it's of it was women. Women. And women are also a huge part of why we have fandom. Yes. Um, it also has a little bit to do with uh, the division between um, uh, curative and um, creative fandom. Oh, yeah, or cumulative and transformative yeah. fandom. So, whereas... Oh, yeah, curative and... Yeah. Typically, male fans are... Reddit. 
<laughs> Reddit, but are seen as people who will like need to have seen everything and need Here to collect the trivia. things. Here are the facts, and that is the that is the Bible of the thing. Like Star Trek Discovery, yeah. Um, throws in references to the other series here and now but some fans will never accept it because the design of the ship is wrong because it's set in the wrong in the the last jedi um and while even though i criticized that choice made by the director slash disney yeah um i actually really like the director and um certain things in the last jedi the force is used in certain ways that has not been shown on screen before yeah and uh, lots of fans were saying, male fans were saying, that's wrong, the Force doesn't work that way, how dare you, you've ruined Star Wars. And he did the most salty, yes, um, frame by frame of him looking in like a fully published Jedi guide, yeah. showing all of the abilities that were shown in the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's male fans. There's always this like competition to get things right and the law and whatever. Yeah. And I'm being very general. This is general gender. terms, yes. Yeah. And I think typically, historically, yeah. female, and I think it's fair to say queer fans, um, and fans of colour and people who weren't represented uh, represented as well in the things they liked, yeah. tended to change through whatever methods they could, yeah. the content to mm-hmm. fit them. Yeah. So male fans typically wouldn't, straight male fans wouldn't typically read Spock and Kirk that way. Yeah. Whereas people looking for that kind of relationship in media. Mm-hmm. Um, or reading something into yeah, what is there. Yeah, could not say it. I just talking about the last show, just like a number of, I remember seeing it, I can't remember who made the tweet, but saying about, uh, to all the male entitled male fans, just like, this isn't my Star Wars. I want it stricken from the canon. It's just like, dude, write some fanfic. Yeah, that's what we've... That's what, that's that's what we... the rest of us have been doing. Yeah, fix it fic. Fix it fic. Um, I've also written down Mulder and Scully because I knew that was a big kind of resurgence. I think that's a one example of a long relationship between a man and a woman. Hmm. A predominant, uh, assumably heterosexual pairing. I believe they've gotten they got together in the new stuff. I think I don't yeah, know if they've slept together or finally like the new series. Oh. I don't know. I've not seen it. But they definitely will. They won't. They for a long oh, time. Oh yes. And that was part of the appeal. Yes, um, I believe the same thing was said about Moonlighting uh, with was it Sybil Shepherd and Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. And then they got together at the end of the first season, and then apparently the second season was trash because mm. <laughs> the romantic tension had gone. Yeah, I mean, there's sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, shipping, as we've just said, doesn't necessarily have to mean queerness, even though from our point of view on this podcast, we always frame it that way. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't necessarily need to. Uh-huh. Um, Excuse me. Do you have... Mm. Do you remember what your first ship was? I've been invested in relationships and things in between characters for a long time. I think the first pairing I was maybe into as a romantic pairing that wasn't just a relationship I saw and was happy with was probably House and Wilson Mm -hmm. uh, from House MD. Amusingly enough, a very (laughs) intentional riff on Sherlock and Watson. But their relationship, I was just like, 
No, nah, man, I, I, I definitely ship that. I was also a kind of a fan of House Wilson Cuddy OT3, but I have a lot of OT3 feels, mm. generally speaking, because, you know, triads are better than a love triangle. Can you explain so. what an OT3 is? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, some people, it's, uh, what is it? Uh, in terms of language, uh, it's technically bullshit. OTP stands for one true pairing. Like, mm-hmm. this is your ride or die ship. People say, oh, for a fandom, you only have one OTP. This is not true for nearly anybody I know. No. But your OTP is your one true pairing, your your main ship, like the thing that you like to go. OT3 is is the same thing, but where there are three characters involved. Mm-hmm. So your one true three, your one true threesome, or your one true group of three. Then you start getting into fun things like bro TP, which is where you ship it, but in a platonic way. Mm-hmm. And people sometimes, there's lots of angst about, oh, why use the term bro TP? It's just like, I use bro TP for any platonic ship that I'm, heavily heavily invested in mm-hmm. and i know a lot for a lot of people it's the same way um i'm trying to think of my first ships and i don't know if i really had any um until uh last year when i watched Gilmore girls <laughs> and mm-hmm. rory and paris yeah. um who again it's one of those things where like I, so Rory Gilmore, the character, I didn't think any male character was mm-hmm. suitable for her. She never seemed happy. Yeah. The only, and like the relationship she has with Paris is such a classic, uh, God, you make me so mad. Yeah. Um, you're now my best friend. Yeah. Kind of epic. And yes, it yes, just, yes. it makes sense. It's one of the, to me, a ship is when you see something and it makes sense in a way that, uh, the content of the show hasn't quite realised yet. Yeah. Um, not all the time. Sure. Um, I'm trying to think of earlier ones. Um, I was invested in, uh, I mentioned it in uh, a Valentine's episode last last week. I was very invested in Jack and Yanto before Jack mm. and Yanto became a thing. Um, I liked like Luna and Gin- Ginny as a pairing in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked, uh, There are a few ships in Harry Potter that I liked. Um, so, and things I, that I read. To me, honest, I, I, the ships I had were basically that me and that person. Yeah. <laughs> like I like seeing pretty thing. guys, and I'm like, oh, I wonder how they treat me. Yeah. Uh, um, one of my one of my big ships is uh, Newton Herman from Pacific Rim. Yes. Who I adore. Anyone that's followed me for any who was around my blog during. That time, we'll know just how invested I am in that ship. Uh, as I call them, skinnies and sweater vests. Mm. So, like, I don't ship it as hard because it's not on my radar. But now with the the sequel coming out, we shall see. But every time I rewatch Pacific Rim, I'm just like, my boys, <laughs> my boys. And again, they've got a very snarky Beatrix and Benedict kind of relationship. Mm. And then uh, I'm not going to get into why I ship Newton Herman now. I, I feel like I'm massively missing out, missing some ones that are really important i do actually i do remember yes when the lord of the rings films were coming out oh my god it's not something i shipped but i remember the discussion of people being like it was kind of matter of fact discussion people talking about the fact that sam was in love with frodo yep and i remember the discussion not being completely like that's gross Mm -hmm. it was like yeah i mean sure they love each other yeah quick shot of Sam with his wife at the end to make sure it's not but like mm-hmm. 
That's Lord of the I, Rings had so much shipping drama. That's like what, that's what happens when you don't write any female characters into your narrative. We that's gotta, very true. That's another reason shipping exists as well. Is that female characters are often uh, underwritten or not ex- non-existent, yeah. and people want characters to get together. And more often than not, fiction tends to have intense friendships between men. Yes. Um, which really bugs me when people say, like, oh, it's really important that we have male friendships. And, like, that's all media. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that now you see a lot more uh, female pairings and, obviously, queer in other ways. Yeah, it, it, it's still not great. Like, there's a lot to be said about shipping culture. I think we're going to talk about this maybe a bit more later. Lots of... There's been a lot of essays and, like, very thoughtful commentaries and things like that talked about the inherent misogyny in fandom and yeah. fic writing and why male characters are so highly favoured even when there are female characters available and a lot of it boils down to is we're ingrained to forgive male characters their flaws in a way that we aren't for female characters and mm. there's a lot to be said and that's not really the topic of this this no. episode but yeah meanwhile me I'm like no fem- no male character is worthy of my beautiful daughters yeah. <laughs> how dare you um, <laughs> no I can't I, and like so I can't really think of like early ones but yeah um, what about now is there any are there any relationships in any shows that you watch or things that you read that you're invested in um sort of Mm -hmm. um finn and poe has gone beyond but it never was like a ship Mm. now it's like intensely political to me yes um finn the thing with finn is um you know there's this thing with rose and i do you think there's a lot of content in the first one mm. for a thing with Ray to be, but then I also kind of want Ray to not have a love story, but then I also think Ray being with Finn is very important for other reasons. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I have a lot of investment in Poe because I've never seen a character be so assumed by both uh, mm. queer and straight people to be like oh yeah he's gay mm. like I love when there's kind of like a joke where I see even straight people be like you know that character the gay one yeah. <laughs> like what but there's no content there's no yes. you know um, so I have an investment in that um, oh I'm trying to think of some other ships that are both are current and also I haven't mentioned every five episodes uh, Steven Universe yes. I'm intensely it's very intensely important to me, Ruby and Sapphire. Yes. Um, and also Pearl and Mystery Girl, but there's yeah. not been much of that yet. But yeah. um, Ruby and Sapphire mean a lot to me and Justin. Um, yeah. I'm t- I just tend to be more... But again, that's canon. The thing is, you can be invested in a canon show. I know, I'm just trying to give you they an interesting have, answer. No, no, that's, the thing is like... Like a couple of right to give some of my ships. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm heavily invested in Juno and Peter from the Penumbra podcast, who mm-hmm. are a canon pairing. They're not currently together, they are canon love interests. Yeah. So I am heavily invested in them. Ah, uh, ba 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 I've just forgotten all the other things that I was going to say. What am I into right now? Um, I don't want to say that because that's kind of spoilery. <laughs> so, of uh, something that's going to happen. Um, a, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, mm. I uh, with Taz Balance, I was very invested in a couple of canon ships. Um, I won't bother going into it now because that arc is finished. So, 
Uh, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Uh, with Friends at the Table, their current season, uh, there's a couple of characters. Um, I'm very invested in uh, the term called ground party, which will mean nothing to anyone that doesn't listen to Friends at the Table. I don't massively listen to that show for shipping. Yeah. Because uh, I just love all the characters. But, like, uh, even an Echo and Gig and Grand, like, any permutation of them together makes me incredibly happy. And there's not a lot of a shipping that. Uh, what else am I watching? So I really like uh, Dirk and Todd in Dirk Gently. Um, I'm trying to think of what I've got. Like. I think maybe shipping's just something I don't do. And that's fair. I think it's to do with the way people enter fandom. Yes. Um, I don't think about it when I consume media. There's a lot of characters I really like individually. Yeah. But quite often I... Um, I kind of don't like them when they're in relationships with people, but then I don't really think about them separately. Yeah. Um, no, that and the thing is, that's fair. There, there are plenty of media I watch where I don't ship anybody. That's not mm. part of my land, mental landscape when I when I watch the thing. So no, I get it, and I don't think it makes you less of a fan if you're not into shipping culture. That's it's an aspect of it. I do, my favourite shipping thing is when especially female characters exchange some kind of look at each other. Mm. Everyone knows what it means just to kind of go, Harold. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've, I've definitely experienced that a few times. Yes. Um, I think I, I do see it more with female characters. Um, mm. Just because I do sort of feel male characters tend to be quite antagonistic and also I'm kind of personally... Yeah. I don't really like putting queerness on characters that seem very straight. Yeah. Um, which I know is problematic in its own way. Dink in the jar. Yep. But I think maybe more female characters I... Um, That's fair. I'm more invested. I get it. I get it. Um, you you explained things about OT3. Okay. Um, yep. We explained things about non-canon stuff. Yeah. Um, do you have... Any far out crack fit <laughs> way weird ones? Um, my most self indulgent crack ship, and there's maybe two other people that ship this. My friend who I originally came up with it with, and one other person that I have since converted to mm -hmm. the cause, um, is. I will not name them here for fear that somebody, it may somehow get back to them. On There are two characters played by the same person on different stories. Okay. And I ship their characters together. Played by the same person. So arguably it's a kind of self-cessed, but they are different characters. And what is this? I purposely said I was... Oh, okay, right, fine. Actually, I've just remembered a ship and I can't remember if I forgot. Okay. Shall I just mention it? Yes. Mac and Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Can I believe you forgot Mac and Charlie? Mac and Cheese. This is the one I've actually written a bit of fanfic about. <laughs> I just, <laughs> it just feels so... I got I got a, a comment um, yeah. on AO3 of the fic I wrote, yeah. like, th three or four years after I right. wrote it, yeah. saying like, oh, when are you going to update it? And mm. I replied with, well, I haven't been depressed enough to come back to this because I wrote this in a really dark place and, yeah. like, I'm a bit happier now mm. um yeah i have a lot of intense feelings about this i'm going to talk about this now because i feel like i've been getting around it but basically 
Um, Mac is heavily coded and then confirmed Much to later. be gay. Yeah. Um, Charlie is heavily coded, then later sort of sloppily retconned not, but maybe, who knows? Charlie probably would never know. Yeah. Asexual. Um, and even though if the show was going to go anywhere, it's much more leaning to Mac with Dennis. Yeah. And that's a very interestingly toxic, yeah. disgusting thing that's really fun to watch. Um, <laughs> um, there's so much... I have so many intense feelings about Mac and Charlie as a couple because I feel... This is shipping. Yeah, I know. But I've done it so rarely. Yes. Okay, so... And that's fine. And I mostly do... Oh my God. Um, yeah, carry on. I've just got... One of my big OT ship. One of my massive, massive, massive ships is Leverage OT3, Elliot Parker Hardison. I, I, that's when I first came aware of OT3 is from your tanging of that. Yes. Um, very sorry. Please, back, please. Okay. Tell, so, tell me about your experience of being shipper trash. Okay, so literal trash. Which is very apt given Mac, with Mac and Charlie. So the reason why I feel is um, this, these two characters have a lot of history. They mm-hmm. were childhood friends. Um, they're both very sad all the time. Um, yep. But in Always Sunny, part of the show's format is these five characters in every episode, they pair off into different little groups. Yeah. And they all sort of hate each other and like each other. But of all of the characters, I feel like Charlie and Mac are the ones that actually like each other. Yes. Um, they all sort of like each other. And also Charlie does like Frank, but he might be his dad and whatever. <laughs> um, but, like, Mac and Charlie were friends before the show. They were friends... They will be friends till they die. Um, and I think whenever the show came close to having Mac come out... Yeah. Uh, Dennis's and the rest of the gang's reactions were just like, ugh, come on, do it. And Charlie's would always just be like, oh, come on, buddy. And, like, yeah. he kind of felt like he wanted it. Yeah. Um, his, but, re- his reason for wanting it was coming from a different place. Yes. And... It massively reached a zenith of shipping when um, Charlie writes a musical called The Nightman Cometh. Um, which, Such a fantastic episode. <laughs> yes, which is very, very strongly hinted uh, to be his way of dealing with childhood abuse. Yeah. And in the context of the story, um, his uh, abuser is, a, is the Nightman. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the Dayman uh, is this character who protects him in the daytime and knows karate and is a master of friendship. Mm-hmm. And in the context of them being childhood friends, yeah, the idea that at night Charlie is vulnerable and frightened, but in day he has protection and sunlight because he hangs out with Mac every day, yeah. makes me really like emotional and. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I I I guess that's the closest I've come to shipping. Yeah. And I think that is shipping. No, that is shipping, love. That's not the closest you've come to shipping. That's face planning right into shipping. Am I am I just like demi shipping where I'm like is that the term when uh you I need to know it intensely sometimes and like it's No, I'd say it's you're casual. It's casual. Yeah. It comes, it comes once in a blue moon, but when it happens, it's intense. Hard. It comes hard. And like, I mostly, I mostly ship uh, this with, uh, I've, 
uh, our friend Reese. Yeah. Um, where we both wrote parallel fanfics. Yeah. Um, which I wrote the prequel to the series of Always Sunny about them meeting in high school. Yeah. And he wrote our like wish fulfillment sequel to the series. Yeah. Um, where we make everyone be happy and it's all... Be- uh-huh. Because it's happy, that makes it sad kind of stuff. Sure. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess you don't know when shipping's going to take hold of you. No. I never watched that show expecting to have those feelings. And, and that's how you know it's a good ship. Yeah. Like, ones that catch you on the way. Like you, you, like to- you with uh, Rory in Paris. It's just like, you weren't expecting it, but mm. then you watch it, it's just like, I'm invested. Again, I think both those examples, I wanted there to be more queer content than there were. Yeah. There was all, all the work had been done in the show. The content was there. Yes. Um, and I, as a person who likes to script things and write stuff, I was trying to, like, fix it or yeah. trying to finish it. Yeah. But, sorry, that went off tangent. I actually want to mention very, very, very briefly my crackest ship of all. Oh. That's not that's not a definition of a crack ship. Um, I think possibly because she's one of the few female ones yeah in godzilla fandom there is a big godzilla mothra ship <laughs> uh-huh um and there's some really cute fan art of like them hanging out i it's it's has to be yeah romantic it's definitely not sexual <laughs> but um i like the way the fandom treats them as kind of uh, sort of turbulent but forever sure sort of romantic relationship <laughs> Um, That's fantastic. I interrupted a bit, but did you have anything more to say about crack ships? No. Okay. I don't want anything that can be used against me later. <laughs> okay, let's go to let's go and have some tea. Let's have some tea. Welcome to the interlude, the middle section of the show. Box well, not we... included, and its listeners are my OTP. Aww. Um, love it. We love you so much. You make us who we are. I think when we started, we said we'd do a year, but... Yeah, um, here we That are. was assuming very few people would listen to, but... Yeah, people have been listening. It's you really guys lovely. message us. Um, it's great. We um, we got a flurry of new followers on Tumblr mm-hmm. and Twitter, like... People are eager, and that's that's really awesome. Um, we'd also like to thank Beastly Beverages. Our sponsor! Fandom and Fantasy, luxury hand-blended loose-leaf tea and tea-related geeky paraphernalia. Also coffee. <laughs> it's all very good. Uh, the business is queer-owned. All the ingredients are organic and fairly trade, and, and nearly all the products are suitable for vegans. I don't advise, like, eating the stickers, but... <laughs> You could, I guess. Uh, what we got? What we spotlighting today? Well, I don't actually know, but I want to um, generally talk about the fact that they do a lot of teas based on ships. Yes. Um, so the taste and also content. So I'm I'm scrolling through at the moment, and yeah. there's uh, lots of prints. There's a very sweet um, McCree and Hanzo from uh, Overwatch print. Oh, can't believe who we didn't mention shipwise. Uh, Chaz. Uh, oh, fucking Chaz. That's not his name. Baze and Chirrut. My ne- my brain just shoved oh, those right. two together. Space The Space Marrieds themselves from Rogue One. Yeah, that's another example of straight people assuming they are because of the content. Yeah. Um, but yeah. There's... I mentioned because there is a print of them or there was a Christmas card of them. Um, but there's also, I'm just trying to scroll through. I know there's, um, oh, there's actually a Mulder and Scully tea. 
Hell yeah. Um, I want to believe, mm-hmm. um, as we mentioned. Um, there's a plethora of Marvel ships. Yeah, I believe there's a there's a, obviously a, a Bucky and Steve. I think there's a Bucky and... Uh, Widow. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There's a K-Science one. Hell um, yeah. For uh, people that love the, the Newton Herman ship. Uh-huh. Hence us. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there's a ship called Winter Captain, uh-huh. which has two different labels you can get. Um, there's actually one called Black Hawk, which is uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you follow the Twitter, you can influence these things because there's quite often uh, merchandise being developed that are based on ships. Yes. Macanzo um, is definitely a popular one with this company. Sure. Um, but... If you fancy tea based on your favourite characters and your favourite ships, then please go to beastbeverages.com and use... The sponsor code BEVERAGEBEAST, all one word, capital B's. And you can get free shipping when you spend £20 or more. And they ship worldwide, so that really is a good little deal. And they're on Twitter and Patreon and all that Instagram, stuff. Uh, the creator, owner, operator, one-man machine that runs uh, Beastly Beverages uh, has a YouTube channel. Yes, the Tea Beast. Uh, so you can get to see more about the business and, and Gabe. <laughs> My <laughs> stomach is making horrible noises today. Uh, um, I hope you can't hear. Actually, I hope you can. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there anything else you wish to plug? Uh, not today, no. I think, that's, I think we're good. Um, buy my book. Okay. <laughs> Pantheon. Any ships in Pantheon? Uh, kinda. Or Seth, kinda, really. Hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a good ship. There's problematic I'm not ships. saying it's healthy. Actually, Aquinas ship, um, Isis and Osiris, um, they there have quite go. a, a steady... Th- I, I ship Horus and uh, uh, Hathor. Mm-hmm. I sort of ships... Uh, it's really talk- weird talking about gods. Um, I sort of ship... Oh, honey, uh, it's... Uh, no, no. Thoth, Thoth and Anubis. No. There's not many content, not much content, but... Um, in American Gods, they run a funeral home together. So. Yeah, there's a there's something. I drew them holding hands on one picture um, in the original copy, and someone commented, "Why are they holding hands?" And I said, "They're in love." And they, they went, "Oh, okay, yeah, perfect." <laughs> um, but so yeah, shall we uh, get back to uh, it's available Amazon? Blah 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 blah. Yeah, I finished my team. That, that, that's called Pantheon, by the <laughs> way, by Hamish Steele, published by No Brow. Thank you. That's all right. Let's um, uh, let's get let's get back into the uh, choppy waters of shipping. So, from an outside perspective, yeah, something that I think people have noticed is shipping wars, yes, and controversies, yes. And I want to talk about those because they, sure, they're one of those things that are very, they they range yes. from important to talk about because of perpetuating bad things in media, yeah, to take a step back. This maybe isn't as important as you think it is, yeah. Um, one of the big shipping wars I was never deep in the fandom so it wasn't one that affected me but I remember seeing and talking about was in Harry Potter mm-hmm. and that was Har- Hermi- Harry Hermione versus Ron Hermione mm-hmm. oh god oh sweet god there is some terrifying stuff back there and that, uh, I mean, I spent the last month being annoyed with J.K. Rowling, but oh, I can reasons. imagine yeah. the pressure 
yeah. of being the one who decides what happens. Yeah, and I mean, this was obviously as the books were coming out. I'm showing my age here mm. and the age that I was aware of stuff going on when it was happening. But just like people felt like the books were setting up Harry Hermione to be a thing. And then when Harry, uh, Hermione ended up with Ron, people were like angry and upset. And then when Harry and Ginny also got together and it's just like, guys... um, I was, as I said, I was never that invested in romantic ships. I find it deeply unbelievable that people are going to marry their high school yeah. sweetheart and stay with them forever. I, I appreciate that happens for some people and that's wonderful and amazing. Mm. That happened to everyone. I mean, some. Oh my God, I can't books. believe I forgot a ship of mine. Neville Luna. <laughs> I love them. Um, but some franchises, that's their bread and butter. Like Twilight's whole point is. T- team Jacob versus Team Edward. Yeah, they encourage the shipping war. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting that that's part of the... I mean, I think my perception of what was going on in that fandom is completely miles away from when it was going on. But I know when the films mm. were coming out, yeah, there was a discussion about what team you were. Yes. I guess Hunger Games, because I actually read those and things, there was discussions about that. Yeah, uh, Peter versus Gail. Yeah. Um, there is no good portmanteau name for Katniss and Peter. I'm still very <laughs> partial to Kat. Um, I am team Katniss. Um, As we discussed at the time. The, uh, that's the thing. I think um, some things definitely encourage a bit of like who is going to end up with who. Yeah. Um, and I was going to say, because you were talking about Hermione, I felt like she was just being passed between two men. But then mm. from a, another point of view, mm. things like Twilight and Hunger Games, men mm. are the pieces yeah. of that puzzle. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between like there's stuff that there's like canon disagreements mm-hmm. um like options within canon and then you've got like an example that um i'm again it's not a fandom i'm deeply involved in but uh people are very invested in steve and bucky as a ship versus people very invested in steve and sam as a ship uh-huh um i forget what um might be captain falcon i'm not sure <laughs> both good ships again ot3s are fun but you see People get very passionate about it. And then, like, we talked about curative, uh, cumulative, you know, curative versus transformative. When people start trying to pull cumulative, no, Mm. curative, as backup for their transformative. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to follow. Yeah, so people, like, will use, like, well, there's this moment when this happened and this moment when this happened, trying to use the the textual evidence to support why my ship is superior to your ship. This is the thing. I think that's when I think people should take a step back because mm. were either of those things to happen in canon, that would be more important than which one happened. Yes. Like, it would piss me off so much. Yeah. If, it's about your team winning. If Marvel made a film in which Captain America kissed a man mm-hmm. and people were annoyed it was the wrong one, I'd be like, okay, You're kind of people. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying. Then there's the other case where shipping culture just becomes such a massive thing. And then you run into um, where it's, let's say, a non-canonical ship, but one can make the argument that it's being framed as such within canon. And then you start to get, this is where shipping sort of becomes very public knowledge. Yeah, Like it becomes from being a, something that exists in the fandom space to something that exists in a public space. I think well-known examples are uh, John Locke mm-hmm. uh, from Sherlock and uh, Dean and Cass from Supernatural. 
Mm-hmm. I think these are two very, very massive, massive ships where people, people are theorising how it's canon and it's going to happen eventually and people are angry that it hasn't happened and this is where talks about queer baiting comes in and we've talked about queer baiting obviously before on the show. I think something I became of, aware of very, very recently is how small the portion of viewership, something like Sherlock has, how small its audience, sorry, how, how small the percentage of its audience are actually people who ship it. Because mm. when you're involved in fandom, it feels like it's so obvious. It's, a very, it's like a vocal but, minority, isn't it? Yeah, Sherlock has millions of viewers and most of them are straight families and people who don't even know what shipping means. Yeah. Um, and watch the whole series going it's like, oh, it's nice that they're friends, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think from an outside point of view, something like Supernatural feels like it's survived on its fandom. Yeah. And it should... Supernatural is a... Sh- yeah, the thing is about what becomes interesting is when i say interesting becomes mean is where these shows acknowledge that there is a shipper culture and mm. then take the piss out of it yeah um the, uh, shipping is often a thing and it's not exclusively done by younger women like there's a lot of older fans who like mm. write fanfic and ship though teenage girls are so often maligned for being packed for their passions yeah. like i really don't think anybody gets more shit than teenage girls regardless of how terrified i am by them <laughs> um and this goes back, like, for eons, like, Beatlemania, oh, teenage girls are stupid and silly. And I think a lot of that still, oh, if, if it's a young woman interested in the thing, then it's ridiculous and we should just, like, tell her to be quiet. Um, related to that, I, I this is, uh, it's a question, so I'll leave it. Okay. Um, but there's something about Beatlemania I want to talk about. Okay, cool. Remind me when we get to a question. Yeah. But um, I do think... <sighs> It's tough. It's a really hard balance. Yes. You want to bring up shipping with the creators. Nothing would please me more than to be in a room with, you know, Kathleen Kennedy making the Star Wars films and be like, "So, if you if you make it, we will be there, mm, and it will be if you build it. They will yeah, come. it will be so monumentous. It will change cinema. It will be amazing. Yeah. However." The whole, like, hilarious concept of bringing up fanfic and fan art. Or showing rude, showing, like, I say rude, showing NSFW fan art to the actors on talk shows. Yeah. Um, And bringing that up, I think, is another moment where maybe perspective is needed because fandom's fun and we love it, but they are also actors paid to do a job. Yeah, but I mean, it, yeah, it's one thing for, like, fandom to maybe do it because, like, we all do stupid shit when we're younger. Mm. I think for a lot of us are aware, like, fandom is a fandom space and just, like, you wouldn't want the people involved to see the thing that you write mm. or the art that you drew. Sometimes in different fandoms, it might be different. Like, uh, for example, Critical Role has a very open... to both directional uh, communication between the players and the fandom and there's a lot of art and obviously but like the shippier art like one thing for when it's safe for work but like um, I have I have a friend who's an amazing artist who's done some very not safe for work Mm -hmm. art of her ship from the first season who became canon and she's like please don't send this to the cast because these are their characters I don't want to rub it in their face because that's crossing that line yeah. It's one thing to say, I love your character. It's another thing to say, I think a lot about your character fucking this character. Can I show you the art I drew? Here's a very realistic picture of you playing that oh, yes, character. Yes, yes, your character looking a lot like you. Mm. Um, 
It's about respect and it's about boundaries. Back to Star Wars. Um, yeah. This isn't a spoiler. I don't... I think the fact that this isn't a spoiler is kind of funny. Yeah. But I have seen reactions to the film as being both, wow, I can't believe Rey and Kylo Ren are canon, and yay, I'm so happy Rey and Kylo Ren aren't canon. And I think that's an interesting fan perception of how you read relationships and how you read those bits of film language. Yeah. Like, is something a ship if it's horrifically toxic and they hate each other? Yeah. Or is it only a ship if, like... It's it's tough, and like I think yeah. that's that's the whole shipping's a bit more fun fun, and I mean this as someone who is very passionately politically like this has to happen. Yeah, but it's more fun when it's like kind of there's no pressure for it to happen. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know, but I the the shipping controversies I see more often than not. Yes, are you cannot ship this for these reasons. And I think ah problematic very, shipping. Yes, I think some are think. very valid, and I think maybe others aren't. Yeah, uh, when you start getting into that, uh, there's a lot of purity, purity culture stuff around shipping now. Like, I think some of this comes around entitlement, and I've seen, like, for example, in the Taz Balance fandom, just like any ship involving Tarko that wasn't with Kravitz, uh, his canon love interest, was dubbed homophobic. By some people, just like that's that's not how that's not how that yeah, works. Very absolutist. Yeah, I, and I think language. like you can get into sort of um, that kind of mentality, like team. We were talked about team X versus team mm. Y, but then you sort of get into problematic, like things labelled as problematic, like relationships that are unhealthy or dangerous, and just like and a lot of the time within. Like fandom spaces, people are like, I know this is an unhealthy ship, and mm. I am not trying to portray it as anything other than, but I choose to ship it. Yeah. And there's a lot of that around, and there's a difference between that portrayed as a deeply unhealthy, fucked up thing, and then going, look at these guys, I made them all huts and flowers, yay! It's just like... I also think there's certain things that happen in stories that cannot be related to things you do in real life. Yes. So, for example... Yes. Um, someone like Kylo Ren in real life is someone who is intensely complicit in the murder of billions of people. Yes. In the context of a fantasy film, he's this tortured tortured soul. And like, I get that. I think that's fine. Yes. Um, it was pointed out recently, I find it really interesting that in The Force Awakens, like four planets get blown up. Yeah. And that is very different to the scene in uh, Rogue One when mm. a city is destroyed. Yes. Like, the emotions and the weight of it yes. are entirely different. Yes. And I think tone and things in films are so much different to writing a list of things that someone has done. Yeah. So a scene that on paper is awful, Yeah. in the context of fantasy storytelling, I can still, like accept why some people might ship something but yeah no shipping is a thing like i don't i why would you ship so and so with so and so that's so problematic i think look i'll just shove a fiver in the jar later <laughs> um it's just like i do think some of it stems from purity culture just like oh I, the only good ship is a good and happy pure ship where nothing bad ever happens just like well that's not life you can write that that's fine that's a lot of great. fanfic is 
misery. Um, I'd actually no. There, there is the whole gamut of emotions and AUs and stuff like that. Like, there's a there's a there's a ship that I don't feel very I don't feel comfortable with at all um, in in Star Wars purely because. And um, I know it's very popular. I have friends that ship it. It does nothing for me as a ship, and that is Hux Kylo. Mm-hmm. I don't see the appeal. I have read one really amazingly written fanfic because I saw a lot of people talking about it and I was curious. Mm-hmm. I am not interested in shipping that. And I cannot get over the fact that Hux is a space Nazi. Yeah. And Kylo is a very damaged young man, yes. But also, well, to be fair, he's like... That's the problem with casting an older actor and then like still writing a script like he's seventeen. Yes, but that's getting into a whole different subset of issues with Kylo Ren. Yeah, my my Star Wars is yeah. I find basically any Imperial character hard to like. Yeah, I want to say I'm not judging people that ship Hux Kylo. Like if if you are invested in that ship and you want to write fic, cool. Like write your AUs, write whatever. I don't feel it. I don't get it. I don't go there. So I don't read it. Yes. I, as, I, I, I blacklist the tags so I don't see the fan art. As a I gay man, it. no. I, as a gay man, no. <laughs> um, I don't personally want... Uh, I don't feel anything from gay men in, like, fascist mm. yeah. roles, personally. Yeah. Um, that said, there is one moment in... Uh, the last Jedi was like, okay, I see why. Oh, uh, yeah. But like, it's yeah, not you're beca- allowed to have that. It's not because they are nice to each other. It's because they do something really horrible to each other. And just like, like, okay, no, I can okay. see why this is fun for people. Yeah. Um, well, what was, yeah, like, I, I've, I've definitely had like ships on moments where you're going, oh, I really want to see them have hate sex. Like, mm. really bad. But I think that's the thing. I don't think you, um, <laughs> Justin said something really awful. All like, right. He, We're going to name and shame Justin again. Justin, he's not, he doesn't ship uh, Kylo and Hux, but yeah. he, when we came out of The Last Jedi, he just like, God, Kylo wants to get in Hux's guts. Oh, <laughs> what a beautiful turn He of wants phrase. to get Kylo rimmed. Um, oh. I'm sorry, I've got very blue right in a second, but that's Justin. Yeah, we um, are both wearing blue shirts right now. Oh, God. Um, that's the thing. I think there's like, there's sort of problematic ships, but like they... Mm relish that yeah um i don't think someone who ships that that means that they think that's how a healthy relationship is yes um that said then there are the ships which get into like sort of incest and pedophilia and things like that and yeah when i say that i'm cool with my ships like i'm not i'm not interested in defending pedophilia no and incest Um, ships like okay Characters that aren't related by blood, but then still have been raised as siblings. Look, there's interesting stuff that can be done narratively. I'm not looking to do the stuff between consenting adults. Yeah. I think basically things like that are case by case. Yes. And I think quite often blanket statements get put on from people who do want sort of to be superior. However, Um, you don't fucking, like, paedophilic ships back. No. Don't ship children. No. Especially, and don't ship children with adults. No. Much worse. Um, Before we get into, like, quickly into character questions, uh, character questions, uh, some questions that we got um, about the topic, just to say, like, for me, shipping, a lot of the time it's 
for me it's characters that I relate to I want me wanting to see them in relationships with characters I like it is mm. wish fulfillment it is self insert in a lot of ways and um, I've talked about this reading fic generally speaking why I pretend to prefer characters involving um, uh, male male pairings or male 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 pairings or characters involving uh, people uh, who identify with those sorts of genders or with non-binary characters is because that is an experience I can't have in life Mm. And so I like to read about it because it's um, I get to vicariously do that. So, but yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff within shipping. It's a massive topic. There are massive problems within it. There are also massive swathes of shipping culture that are people just happily going about things, not upsetting anybody. Mm. Like any kind of fandom activity, yeah, it's vocal minorities. Sometimes it's a vocal majority, but. I think when you're in it, it's very hard to be objective. Yeah. Because your perspe- you can't get a good perspective on it. But uh, I think I've realised I ship very rarely, but when I do... You go hard. I go hard. Let's, uh, let's go over to some of the questions that we've got. No box, box, pop. No box, box, pop. It's the box, pop with no box. I regret that. I regretted that a second into it. Um, <laughs> but you committed till the end, so... <laughs> so, uh, Gabriel on the Facebook group asked, what are your opinions of the sexualization and borderline infantilization of gay men in fandom? Oh, thanks for a nice, easy question, Gabriel. I know who you are. <laughs> I know who you are. I have um, thoughts. Well, it's definitely interesting. I feel like you should maybe... Um, I can give my short opinion and then i feel as the gay man of this podcasting duo you should then get to speak about it um i think a lot of the problem comes when straight women are writing an experience they don't have and like all they have learned about it is from reading other fanfic there's a lot of um heteronormative stuff that gets placed on Mm -hmm. um male male ships and so I think that can lead to the uh, infantilism, if that's how that's pronounced, and hypersexualization of when you're trying to force the, okay, well, this is the top. It's, you see the same things like top and bottom dynamics and, and things like that. And there is definitely a lot of it. I definitely, some fandoms I think experience this worse than others. Some mm. characters do. I feel, um, the uh, infantilism definitely comes in also when people try to write trans gay men. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's something I see and it's upsetting to me because it is a form of objectification. And I think that's something as people that produce content, um, you, ha- you shouldn't do that. It's one thing to write sex scenes. Like, that's great. Who doesn't enjoy Well, a lot of plenty of people don't enjoy reading or writing a good sex scene. But... If that's what you're doing, and that's great, but the objectification of people, you then become part of the problem. Mm. Like, just because something is pornographic doesn't mean it has to be objectification and reducing someone to just that. Yeah. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. Well, I just don't have much. I just, I I think there's a lot of reasons why I don't read fanfic. Yeah. Um, I find reading tough. Yeah. Um, in general. Um, but... I tried a long time ago and I found it was definitely not written with any, 
when I think about ships between male characters, what I'm interested in is like the discovering of their sexuality and yeah. um, them finding this connection and all these stuff. Whereas I think a lot of it seems to be these two pretty people should be naked together. Yeah. Um, because that's what, and that's the thing, it's just like, and I, I don't want to be dismissive of everyone's experience because this certainly isn't the case, but it, a lot of it is, and you see this a lot with bad fanfic, which is just like, change the names and it could be anybody. Yes. It's like, you aren't invested in these characters, you just want like the idea of these two pretty people. But it's like, you're putting your Barbie dolls together. Mm. That's all you want. And you know what, sometimes that's okay. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think I, I I just don't really relate to it. It feels not made for me. And yeah. um, I think when it comes to the infantilization, um, I mean, I think it, some of it has to do with sort of yaoi. Yeah, kind of. is it Sem and Ook? Yeah, the whole, like, I mean, I, I've heard from people that a lot of uh, yaoi comes from women wanting to read romantic fiction without having a... Woman. Demonized portrayal of a woman, not demonized, a, a, a portrayal of a woman that is um, sexist, essentially. Yeah, right. Um, so it just becomes a, a young, sort of soft, soft boy who gets held by a giant man with giant hands. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had to So yeah, like it just doesn't, it just doesn't mean anything to me, and it's not what mm. I look for. I, I think it's emblematic of the fact that a lot of um, fandom is straight women and girls mm-hmm. and who don't know, don't understand, don't care enough to do the research. Yeah. And that's where it comes. I think it's a product of homophobia, even if people might not realise it as such. Yeah. And uh, it's an attempt to on- ongoing educate people and hope that things get better. But it's it shit. And it's it fetishes. Fetish. It's fetishization. It's fetishization. Yeah. Fetishization. Fetishization. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know how a butthole works. No. Um, so moving- <laughs> <laughs> Just FYI. It, don't, it doesn't a, do that. It doesn't do that. Okay. To uh, be fair, like, that some people writing other anatomy is just like, that's not how that works. <laughs> no. so, oh, the horror stories of things used as lube in <sighs> fanfic. Just like, no, no, do not put that up there. You will be filled <laughs> with regret. Yeah. Guys, guys. Listeners, if you're younger, fanfic is not good sex education. No. Do not get no. your sex education from fanfic. No, it's please, not for that. Please don't. Um, we then got from um, Chaz Hey on Twitter. <laughs> hey, Chaz. Um, shipping real people is often seen as a no-no. Your thoughts? RPF fiction is, like, I think seen as one of the big taboos mm-hmm. of, of shipping and of fanfic. Which is ironic, because I ship... Uh, Black Eyed Peas founding member Taboo with... Yes. <laughs> Sorry. You are so <laughs> Continue. Yes, th- thank you. Um, I think RPF is a kind of a product of celebrities that very much have a persona. Hmm. And if you have a very clear line in your mind between RPF fic and what the real people are actually like, I think that's a different thing. But... Like, I'm not going to lie, I've read RPF, I've enjoyed it, I've never written it, I don't write very much fic at all. I also have read some, or come across some that's made me deeply uncomfortable, and I don't shame anybody that uh, has a problem with it. 
because I get it because these are real people. But at the same time, I think for when a lot of time RPF is being written, it's being written by people that don't think the people are actually doing this. They just, again, like the idea of these two people together. Often you see it with actors who play characters mm-hmm. and who say, oh, well, they're never going to let the characters get together. But these character, these actors have so much chemistry. Surely they're doing it. And um, how... Like, and you have a, it's a big thing with like band RPF as well. Like that's a massive section of various, like AO3 is obviously a big uh, fandom site here, but like I've been to a couple of panels and stuff um, at like Nine Words or like other sites, like I heavily dominated like that K-pop and things like that. And it's all about RPF. This is what I was going to talk about when you mentioned Beatlemania. Yeah. Um, first though, I wanted to ask, how would you feel if you discovered like, sort of in the real whatever yeah. how would you feel if you found it about yourself I can say I don't think I'd, it'd bother me I might go that's a bit weird but if somebody thought I was attractive enough to ship with another famous person question mark I might be like cool I can't deny, I don't know because I've not been in that situation hmm. if somebody sent it to me who'd written it I would be deeply discomforted. If my friend came across it and said, Jade, you'll never guess what I fucking found on the internet. Mm. Then I might be like, so what now? (laughs) The idea in theory doesn't bother me that somebody might be invested in me enough as they perceive me to write me into a fic. That doesn't bother me. At the end of the day, if people writing RPF, it's not really about the person they're writing it about. Okay. I think. But what were you going to say about Beatlemania? I read a very interesting interview with Louis Tomlinson, who is a member was a member of One Direction. Yeah. Who said that he feels that the shipping of him and Harry Styles is the reason they're no longer friends. Yeah. Because he felt like before they would hug and um, hang out and do all these things together, and then it became... Uh, tough to do anything with him without it being read into. Yeah. And creating fandom war where people were arguing. Yeah. And to keep their fans happy, they reduced the amount of time that they spent together, that they were intimate with each other, that they were friends. Yeah. Until he feels like they, it's too awkward now to just be friends or even say hello to each other. Yeah. Um, and that that's got to suck. That's yeah. That's really sad. And um, I know these are incredibly famous millionaires, but yeah, like I can, you can still have sympathy for them. Yeah, I mean that that that's I guess maybe a, a far example of that. I think that's um, an extreme example yeah. of what what can happen. I just think that it just needs to be careful. Like, I mean, yes, the last episode, no, two episodes before, mm. we were talking about. Um, it, it filled me with lots of happiness when I found out that uh, Connie Huck and Charlie Brooker were together because they're yeah. two separate people I like who yeah. are now in a relationship. And I think that's really sad. And I would be sad if they broke up. Yeah. Um, I I think that kind of investment in the relationship of strangers is pretty normal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's always fun when you find out, like, oh, you know the reason why those two characters are so much good chemistry well so and so are dating yeah like um one of my favorite doctor who companions is um uh the second incarnation of romana 
Um, yeah, her and Tom Baker. Married Tom Baker, and they're just having amazing fun. Uh, finding out after the fact that Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford were having an affair. Mm. Like, that. that is part of, like, celebrity, like, intrigue. We're interested yeah. in the personal lives of celebrities, yeah. but... However, asking somebody if they're dating their co-star or their band member or sending them your explicit RPF mm. art, you are crossing a line. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how that One Direction thing could have been solved, really. No. Um, it's quite hard to... It's a bit like herding cats telling a, a fandom to all agree to stop doing something. Yeah. Um, but The thing is, RPF sad. is going to happen. Mm. People get invested in people. Most of the time, it's not in the real person themselves, because how could it be? Because we don't know them. Yeah, I mean, I, I come from a different point of view of it. I've not mm. read in this. Um, yeah. Makes me a bit more uncomfortable, but I, I agree that the version of these mm. people that are being written about is not yeah. the actual person. But what we do doesn't exist in a vacuum. Yeah. Things have consequences, things have reached, especially when stuff gets big. Happens a bit with reality television, yep. I suppose, because I... Um, you know, I'm watching "quote unquote" real people. Yeah. Um. You know, things like Jersey Shore or whatever are built yeah. around that concept. Yeah. So, I think some people have got really good interpersonal chemistry. Sometimes yeah. it's characters, and sometimes when you see people not in character, like in reality TV or like on the interview circuit for things, people might go, "Oh my god, they're really cute together." Oh my god, their interactions are really fun. And then they write a thing. A counter to that's quite funny. Going back to Always Sunny, how um. Uh, Caitlin Olsen and Rob McElhenney are married and yet their characters are almost never... Yeah, they hate each other. They hate each other. There's no, there's literally no content in the show yeah. to make you want to ship that as a couple. And no. yet, I think that's really funny. Yeah. Um, I think part of it is because, like, Rob has this real issue to not just smile at yes, his wife. They, they definitely adores. shared the least amount of scenes together. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's messy. It's not my, not my lane. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, on that note, if you'd like to, um, on that note, if you'd like to send some RPF, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> well, talk about, right, for the record, one incompatible sexuality aside, Hamish is like my brother. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's really sweet. You're my buddy. I hate my brothers. No, I don't. They're my best friends. Yeah. Um, and you're one of my best friends. Oh, thank you. Um if you would like to send us anything at all, though... Um, questions. Questions that don't need to be related to a topic. We just want to... Maybe in the future we just want to have a cool down or something completely unrelated, because these have been quite heavy episodes. Yeah. Uh, please do send us questions to boxnotincluded at gmail.com. Or you can uh, get in contact via social media. We're Box Not Included on Twitter, and that's where we are on Tumblr. And we have a Facebook group. It's private, it's full of lovely people and great discussions, and that's Box Not Included as well. Um, you can contact us directly via Twitter. I'm at Hamish Steele. I'm at Rose. And uh, finally, as always, we want to thank Graham Waller, audio overlord, master of the sound waves. Uh, he helps produce the podcast. He composed our theme music. Quite frankly, he's awesome. Aw. Um, I ship it. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's RPF. Oh, sorry. Um, That's okay. I've not got a problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> People have shipped me and Justin. People have Aww. said that. Um, anyway relationship goals oh um, but until next time um, who am I I'm Jade Rose I'm Hamish Steele and uh, don't let anybody box you in mm-hmm.